Welcome back to the Pleasure Temple. We have been on a short hiatus over the summer. We hope you've enjoyed your time. We are eager to get back in. This episode, we have our friend, Jenny Gal, somatic sex educator. Please enjoy. Let me bring us in real quick and then you can say that. This important to the conversation. Welcome to the Pleasure Temple, everybody. We have gathered because that is what we do when two or more are gathered. Mm. <laughs> when two or more are gathered. And we have a very special guest with us today who has been in my life for a number of years. And um, it is my pleasure, which is the code word, to bring... <laughs> offering to us and to bring these particular souls together because we have work to do and we're about to do it today and you're about to be blessed you're welcome that's the first thing secondly let's welcome gal to the show (laughs) (laughs) who you are and what you do (laughs) and then we'll get into it (laughs) all right introduce myself i just i want to take all of you in for a moment because I don't take for granted even for a split second the frequency that we're all on that has brought us together so to to see you know to see each of your faces I'm I'm genuinely like leaning in with so much curiosity about about you Courtney and want to learn about what inspired you to be a writer um, of romance and eroticism and can't wait to dive into your work and celebrate that. And then Teresa, I have this curiosity about like, oh, you say you love eroticism, but what is it in you? (laughs) Yes. I want to know. And it's so healthy and it's so it's radical and it's revolutionary for women to come together and talk about eroticism unapologetically. And so I'm excited about this phone call for that reason. And Dee, yep, Dee's been in my life for 10 years. Um, Love at first sight instantaneously and the relationship just continues to flourish. I love Dee's humanness and everything about her essence and who she is. You about to make me have a tear. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, those are beautiful words. And I am, I'm very in your presence. And you said something that is so important. And Courtney and I, and Dee and I in recent weeks and us together, we really talk about sexuality in women. That's been, that Courtney met me when she met me. I'm a, the first words they use to describe me is sexual. Of how I carry myself, very just in, intuitive. I'm aware of my body movements. I wear how I present. Um, apparently, people have a thing with my voice mm-hmm. and all of that jazz. And that was just a word that was used to describe me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And um, but I'm also very invested in my sexuality, and I'm very invested in expressing it the way I want to res- express it. Mm-hmm. unapologetically and I won't even say mean but I am my birth sign is a Sagittarius so at this point in time in life it's just it's what it is you know it's just it's what it is but Courtney and I a lot of our earlier conversations was around that I remember us taking the erotica test like to see where we fail 
on the spectrum of potential kink and what are you interested in? And I like, I, I know what I'm interested in and I've done even more deep diving in recent weeks. Um, it's like, I really love, like, or I'm interested in, I do love aspects of BDSM and submissive, being a submissive sex partner. And I understand what that need comes from me because I'm very dominant everywhere else. I don't want to direct traffic. I don't want to be the air controller right here, but I also want what I want. Mm-hmm. And if we think about the conditioning of society, women aren't allowed to have desires. Our desires are ultimately always tied to serving and pleasing another individual, whether that's your partner who. Which brings me to the title of our actual episode. Today is the Madonna Whore Complex. (laughs) And I would like to tell everyone what it actually is. It's a psychological complex often perpetuated by heterosexual cisgender males who place women into two categories. The, the Madonna, a woman who is pure, virtuous, and nurturing, or a whore, a woman who is deemed overly sexual, manipulating, and promiscuous. The dichotomy of the Madonna whore complex creates a rigidity that limits women's sexual expression, agency, and freedom by defining their sexuality into one of two categories. It's time to go in, (laughs) y'all. It's time to go in because I know that all of us have run into this in various aspects of our lives, whether they have just been, you know, friends with men or just knowing men in general. Well, yeah, mother whore complex. I want to say in terms of like, in terms of how, what my brand messaging is and how I work with this deep imprint to the feminine, um, my, my type, if you will, my version of feminism is, is not standing at the front line of like the war on the sexes. I'm, I'm so about mm, ushering in and welcoming in positive, gorgeous masculinity. And listen, <clears throat> raising gorgeous masculinity as well. Just, I'm going to put that out there because Gal is raising also beautiful human beings. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, the mother whore complex is a deep imprint that I think most women have not even named. I don't think that it's even in conscious thought for the collective. Unless you're really preoccupied with this, unless you're really getting curious about what are all the condition what's all the conditioning what are all the things that are contributing to like my hang-ups and my belief systems and my values and all the things like it may not even be something that you stumble upon but if you do we're looking when I think about the mother whore complex I think not only of it as a in a historical context um, but I think about it as the two archetypes that women are given the option of choosing from And then I like blasting that wide the fuck open and saying, we don't have to choose one or the other. We can choose both and bring in a whole other pantheon of other archetypes that we can infuse, personify, and express in our eroticism and daily Mm. life. Can you say that again for the motherfuckers in the back? 
<laughs> I don't know. It's recording. I, <laughs> right I don't know if I can say it all again. <laughs> you know, both but hands. <laughs> both hands. Both I said hands. I was going to be nice. So we're going to say both hands. <laughs> but that is the thing. And you, you, put, it, you put it like great. Um, Beautiful. Giving two choices, quote unquote. But that two choices has been handed to us by the patriarchal art of our society. Absolutely. Not by ourselves, but there is a multitude of archetypes that we can choose from and also those we can create for ourselves that fit our lives. Um, and when women come more fully into relationships, and when I say fully, when a woman who knows herself don't apologize for the parameters that she may buck up against, that can choose to be challenging for others, particularly men to receive that. Like our title, we're the pleasure temple here. I enjoy sex. I enjoy sex, right? And I want to have the type of sex I want to have. And I vocalize that. I will give you the roadmap to that. But I'm also a very conscientious and participating lover. I'm not selfish. But let me not get what I want. I become very vocal in that. And if you are not sure in your masculinity in a positive way that can throw your partner. Yeah, and I, I find that's what I work up against a lot sometimes mm -hmm. in, in that dichotomy. Mm. I think you said something really important um, and that is knowing yourself, but to what extent is like, what do you know, you know, um, I, I mean, I'm a sex nerd. I'm a geek. Like what I know about myself is so multi-layered. I know what stage I'm in. I know what playground of eroticism I'm playing in. I know where I'm expanding. I know my yeses and I know my noes. And I know the relationship dynamic that I'm in so that I can make art of that dynamic. And those are the knowings that I think need to be in place to like... To, you um, just made a beautiful statement because I know my no's and my yeses, I can make art mm -hmm. with my partner. Mm -hmm. But your partner is also very receptive to the woman who presents before him. Cardi, jump in here because you over there. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I agree with all of it. Um, it's so empowering to know your no's and yeses, to know what it is that you do and don't want, um, including what type of relationship you want, whether it's quote unquote conventional or unconventional. Um, in a prior podcast, I shared my ultimate perfect relationship would be a um, throuple, a, a poly relationship. Um, and for me, I see that with two men. Mm -hmm. and it being all about me like that is if I'm talking about what my fantasy is my number one relationship that would be what I want um it's not very conventional not very accepted per se 
but it doesn't stop me from wanting it. Not to say that I won't have anything if I can't have that, but Hallelujah. If, the, <laughs> if the opportunity ever presented itself, I would be all for trying that out. Listen, you already know. So <laughs> like, I'm a thousand percent for that. And, and I have fantasized about that for myself as well. Like, ah, what we could be building right now. Like this could be really incredible what we could be building. And if we're all willing to say, like we can, we can actually support this and we can get what we want from one another. And it's, it's I, what I envision, apparently I have a very wild fucking imagination, y'all. Really? <laughs> no, really? You don't say. The wilder, I, the better. Hey, the, surprise, surprise. Y'all know me. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> the things that I can imagine, I'm just like, wow, I could be okay with a lot of things. Like the shit, I, and I think it's too the shit that I've been through that like, you know, the devastation in my life that has opened me to incredible possibilities I've always been on this same train of like anything and everything is possible it's just basically what are you willing to say yes to what are you willing to say hey I actually like this and then stand behind that and not have to explain it to anyone like I'm not trying to explain to you why I like two men like I'm not I don't if it ain't you don't worry about it like <laughs> like what it's not affecting your life so go on about your business this is the time that you can mind your own business that's completely free like, you know, yeah. unless it has something to do with us directly, it would you ain't paying no bills. Get your go get your life together. Ask for what you like. you. <laughs> I'm praying for you to get what you like. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm thinking about a long time to, to say that out loud and just be like, all right, that's just what it is. I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. This is just the truth, y'all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, it's like everyone everyone here seems to be absolutely coming from this place of unapologetic and self agency, right? Self agency and self autonomy. It's so delicious. And when I, when I hear, you know, that fantasy, Courtney, I'm, I think, I think to um, one of the areas that I'm licensed in and that I work in is as an erotic blueprint coach. And I don't know how, I don't know if, if you're familiar with this, massive um model but the okay so the um the founder and creator of the erotic blueprints is a phenomenal pioneer in the field of um human sexuality and sex education she was on faculty as a sexological body worker for a number of years and based on her time um learning with that institute and working on faculty with that institute, she essentially like extracted ideas from all of these phenomenal pioneers in the last, you know, 100 years um, that, and then created this model called the erotic blueprints, which views every single person within um, one of these or maybe all of these blueprints. And they are the energetic, the sensual, the sexual, the kink, which has two branches, psychological and sensate, and then the shapeshifter. And the shapeshifter 
is there's a theory within this model that we're all born shapeshifters, that our survival depends on our um, sensory faculties to be so online that our safety and our life depends on it and our nurturing depends on it. It's like, you know, it's like sitting, it's, it's really how neurologically we are aligned. And it's through, once again, social conditioning that maybe we start to contract as we're developing um, and interfacing with the world. And yeah, go ahead, Teresa. Do you have a question? Oh, uh, another thing about me, you don't know, I do have a master's in counseling. Mm, okay. And what that is describing to me, I thought back just to this class, it was biology. We always say, um, the survival of the fittest. And that's not really the true quote, right? It is those who are best suited to their survival, or best suited to their environment are the ones that survive the most. So when you speak of shape shifting, I get it on such a deep, profound level because we shift and shape accordingly to our environment, but our emotional state informs our response well as well our psychological knowledge, our trauma base, all of that good stuff informs how we shift and shape throughout the different environments or opportunities that you encounter. So that just definitely resonated with me on that profound level. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that, Teresa. You're absolutely right. And, you know, so Courtney, when you shared, um, what you framed as a fantasy and it absolutely could be and it could just simply be sensate kink and fantasy or psychological kink but it also could be that you are a shapeshifter and what that means is that like they're you're erotically sophisticated on a level that lots of hands and lots of stimulation and lots of attention actually help you land in your body on a whole other level it's like your body craves that kind of safety and that kind of it's like yes I wouldn't mind someone pulling my hair and someone whispering something in my ear and this stimulation all like all over please yes and more yes, <laughs> yes that's like the hallmark of the shapeshifter yeah yes and, and, and so each of these blueprints as well have the superpower and I would say that maybe I just spoke to the superpower of the shapeshifter having this ability to take in all of the stimulation and titrate it and digest it and, and, and it's just delicious. The shadow of the shapeshifter though, is that if you are with a lover who's very much asexual or asensual or a, unenergetic, and that's their kind of their lane that they're in, that's the way that they express. Because you can play in all of the playgrounds so effortlessly, you might fall into just that one patterned way of having sex and erotically expressing. And then you're starving in all of these other areas. You're like, yeah, yes. okay, yep, the, the rose quartz is great, but fucking <laughs> <laughs> But I think it just, you you <clears throat> the statement the word is like starving, right? Women, we starve. That's that's it. Us wow. four 
very unapologetic and we have developed the mechanisms to air our voice and air what we need and be okay. And earlier you stated that comes with layering the layers of yourself, right? And it takes time to know how deep you go. All of your layers, my superficial, my deep, my semi-deep, my core to like the, of the lava that is boiling in my soul. You do not want to get there. Let us not get there. You know, that is a dangerous level. Um, but because women are put in a, in a position of starving, when I'm, I'm discovering in my other circles of friends, and a majority of my friends are married, right? We've known each other 20 plus years. I've been to weddings. I was there. I was there, the birth of the children. And now they are emerging, emerging sexually. And they're finding themselves frustrated in their marriage, right? And... My common joke to them that was like, yeah, you used to thought you probably thought I was a whore, didn't you? But hey, I'm not you right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you so rude. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. But also, we need to be slapped in the face like that because also, like, it's serious. Wake up, come on. Because, because we they are. I can speak for myself where it's like, yeah, I bought into that. Yeah, I bought into the whole, I can't, I can't, you you got to pick. You want me to be a hoe or you want It's, want, a, it's the good girl. It's the, <laughs> like, so. Because that's what served to us. Yes. And of course, we, we haven't brought in like the role of religion. If you come from that, I'm from, I was raised in South Georgia in the Bible Belt. Like all of these multifaceted entities have built upon a woman's sexuality. And now, as I'm observing with a lot of my married friends, not all of them, but with a lot of my married friends, you know, they've known, we've known each other forever, but while I'm over here at the sex club and I'm doing all of the things I want to do, anything that I ever thought I wanted to do, I have fully engaged wholeheartedly to even get to the point now where I'm very solid about the things that I like. And here they are, for the most part, in great marriages. They will tell you, oh, I love my husband. I see it. Yeah, you do love your husband. Your husband is your best friend. But they also voice, I wish I would have done things. I wish I would have tried this. I wish I would have not gotten married so early because I didn't get a chance to know myself before I became a wife and a mother. And now we're in our 40s. The kids are almost growing out of the house you're still attractive to your husband but you want to try things because it's that hard. was it's shut hard down. to ask for that too because yeah. you know a lot of the times I think women folk are going through a lot of shame we're going through a lot of like I can't even ask for this because of you know previous responses or you know just in general you know we've been married <laughs> we've been doing this and we're not speaking from, you know, I'm not 22, never been married, talking about a man. I'm, I'm fucking 45, been married for a very long time. And this is what is happening in our homes. You know, men are deciding for us what our pleasure can and can't be. And any pleasure that we have belongs to them exclusively. 
it doesn't even belong to us. They're not thinking of us in terms of fully capable sexual beings. They're thinking of us as people who serve them. Sadly, that also includes orgasms, but okay. Yeah. But I, I, all, all of that. They are disturbed as much as we are disturbed by mm -hmm. the standards that have been put forth, right? If we don't know what our pleasure can be, they can't possibly know what our pleasure can be. Mm -hmm. They can't only create a blueprint based off the information that has been on feedback loop to them. She's a Madonna. I can't slut her out like I want her, want to slut her because she's the wife and she's the mother of my children. I should assault her. I can't dirty her up, but I can bust down my side piece that I'm lying to her about because I haven't placed those same attributes on this woman. I actually have placed more freedom on the side chick or uh, my outside happiness than I have placed on my partner in life. That's just my thoughts. I don't know. I could be far off base. You're not. You're not. <laughs> you're, you're not. Because we just had a whole ass conversation about this. <laughs> like, you're not imagining that. <laughs> I think in regards to that, like, my, my thoughts are the real power in this work is about dissolving sexual shame, right? <sighs> that say part. that again. Say that again for the people. What is the real power? The real power of this work is, is about dissolving sexual shame. And that's the work that we come here to do. Please let us dissolve this. And I think in us asking for that is us saying, you know what, this is what's been going on and I, this is what I would really like. And it doesn't take anything away from who you are to me at all. And so within a couple dynamic or as, you're, as you, you know, we're, we're speaking of like long relationships, marriages, um, I think this is what most marriages uh, are confronted with. and there's there it's a crossroads right so maybe the marriage and the conversation is about exploring opening the relationship and if that's and if that's a no then well then how do we resource ourselves to break up with patterned sex and fucking be explosive with one another and get our whoa needs? whoa right? <laughs> <laughs> simple terms for everyone if that is a no what is the yes what is the yes if and no, can you accept your partner's no as well so like mm. then it's you, you know what I mean because if both people are saying no I can't do this and no I can't do that then Where's where the are we going after this where are we going after this because if it's a hard no for you for this and a hard no for me for this then we are not gonna be in this traditional or whatever you know situation because we're both then giving up our agency been saying that you know I can't honor you in this way because it offends me and usually it's just they're offended or jealous or whatever the fuck ever it's not genuinely oh this might actually make my life better and, and we could talk about it and let's see it's somebody else working through their jealousy somebody else working through their possessiveness like I want you to make me the center of your universe and how dare you 
even when I'm giving bare minimum, say no to me, not choose me. And we're working through abandonment issues and we're working through, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, you know, there's, there's, uh, I mean, the true artistry of, of all relationships is built on a foundation of consent and revisiting what the agreements are in the relationship. You know, most of them are expired. Most of the agreements Ooh. that we've made have expired. And then, you know, it's like, it's a really common thing in, in my coaching practice where I hear, you know, I've heard something like, for example, the woman who um, come, when her husband comes home and slaps her on the ass after a long day of work, and she's like, I really fucking resent the fact that my husband comes home and slaps me on the ass. And I was like, but have you ever said that to him? Well, no, I don't want to hurt his feelings. And I mean, it, it is contact and it is affection. And it's like, oh, no, girl, if you don't like that and you've been building resentment for three years, that's on you. So how about what would you like instead? Well, I would really love for him to whisper something super sexy to my in my ear. Fucking tell him that. Maybe it's really old for him too. And he thought you liked it. And, you know, so it can be something as minimal as that, that if you tweak that, it's building more trust and more intimacy in terms of relationship dynamic. Um, breaking up with patterned sex is, it's actually not that hard. All you have to do is <laughs> getting curious and intentional. <laughs> that part, curious it's and intentional. And intentional. It's not that hard. Did y'all hear? It's not that hard. You know, and I'm, I'm loving, um, I'm definitely loving your genre that you're in because I, I do love everything that is sexy, sensual, sex. I touch affirmation, slutty, sweet, romantic, because I believe all of it can exist, even in one night. Yeah, all of it can exist. In it's that. like the weather in New Mexico. We <laughs> all in one day. <laughs> And we have to adjust. <laughs> we have to adjust and you have to accept that we're always evolving, you know, yeah. especially in marriage, you know, you got some years on you. So who you were sexually, even as a person when you yep. were first married and who you are now are two totally different people. And absolutely and partner have to accept that and still find the silver lining, the connection. And accepting your part partner Ooh, for who they you have preaching. become. You preach it. But no, it like fire, passion, fire. It, it exists. It exists within us. And I think, and let me just speak for myself. I can't speak for women. I'm gonna speak through the evolution and the growth of Teresa, who was raised Southern Baptist and Women don't do that. Good girls don't do that. Good girls are perceived a certain way. Ladies are perceived a certain way. So all of this layering on top of my sexuality was absolutely present before I could even say that statement that it was layering on top of my sexuality. Even in my, I started to really explore in my mid to late 20s. Um, I grew up in real-time HBO so the things I would see on there how they were imprinted in my mind I want to try these things and so when I got to age 
and got bold enough to try it, I started to engage in those behaviors. But it did come with a lot of um, self-denigration and shame because of what had been packed on top of me. Um, thank God, you know, I've been in therapy for 20 years. I don't go consistently, but I have gone at least twice for the past 20 years. So I'm going to claim that. And I've done a unpacking of my, my shit. Right. And the unpacking of my shit have allowed me to find my voice. And what I'm working on now is not being as abrasive with my voice because I don't, I used to feel I have to fight for that space. Now I'm very synced in into who I am. I don't feel like I have to fight for it. I'm going to state it and I'm going to state it very clearly, very lovingly, very plainly. And this is what I need. I don't feel like I have to scream anymore for it because I've, I've fought to create a space for myself in which I'm comfortable expressing that. I'm no longer attempting to live up to a perceived identity that somebody told me a woman should be. I think that it's it's a really, it's a discernment tool in the tool bag to look at everyone you encounter in this life has had religion and the patriarchy and the family values, all the things completely distort our relationship with ourselves, our bodies and our sexuality. So there's a space that we can choose to hold of empathy for ourselves and for everyone we encounter. And then the next question is, okay, I've got empathy for me. I've got empathy for you. I know that this is the most taboo subject on the planet and that it's really fucking distorted and we all come in with a whole bunch of shit, but what are you doing about it? What have you done about it to know yourself? And tell me how you are now. Tell me how you express now. What do you know about you now? And I'll meet you there if I want, if it's a yes, and so I, I want to bring us to this point too. Like, again, I got a lot of years on me in my relationship or whatever. And we have gone through, you know, kind of run the gamut of the, the spectrum of like what relationships can be. And we keep coming up against all of these things. So I, like, I want people to understand that even the most healthy and, and like serene and, and cool relationship that you see, like people see us and they're like, God, I want to be y'all. And I'm like, no, you don't <laughs> actually. No, you don't because I live here. And so, you know, I know what the fuck we're going through. I love this man. I think he's really cool, but we got some shit to deal with. And, and, and like, I'm dealing with the shit regularly, whereas a, we're dealing with a man and they are not encouraged to deal with the shit. And then it's, you're nagging them to deal with the shit. And then it becomes, you, you are rerouted into that that system of beliefs anyway, regardless of what you're doing, no matter how enlightened you fucking are. So like, I want y'all to just be mindful of that. And so when you really love people, you can give them the room to do what they gotta do. And it doesn't affect you. It doesn't say to you like, oh, I'm less to them because they want to have sex with somebody else. It says, you know what? I actually, I ain't showed up for you sexually in like 65 years, friend, I'm so sorry. You go ahead and get what you need. All this shit we ever been doing in, in an entire planetary thing, system or whatever has been made up. Why can't we make up some new shit for us? 
and be damned what everybody else got to say about it. No, Courtney, go for it. <laughs> I was just gonna say, when Gal was talking, I wrote down, you know, I really find myself at this stage of my life resenting the whole sexual repression of the good girl and the notion surrounding the mindset that the moment it comes to light that she enjoys sexual pleasure, that term can no longer apply to her. Like suddenly she's spoiled or, you know, she needs to go in the horror category. And it's just like, okay, I'll meet you. So you're right. She no longer fits into the quote unquote good girl category. How about she now fits into the great woman category? You know, it's still a, it's a positive. What's the negative? What is it? Like, what are you losing? <laughs> yes. Like Teresa knows I tease her all the time because she'll step out the house looking like a librarian. No one good and well, she's ready to th bring out whips, chains, like, tell me what you want and we'll go there. Like, I could, she's the type that more than likely she can meet you where you want to be met at. But stepping out the house, no one would dare guess it and assume it. And it's the sexiest thing on the face of the earth. Thank you, Courtney. You're welcome. <laughs> she called it my little house on the Perry get up. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody calls this episode she Little does. House on the Prayer. She does. <laughs> she does. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love Little House on the Prairie. Like we talk about okay. it all the time. Pat the biggest gift you already know. You already know in my outfit. Well, as and it, can also, it can also be incredibly um erotic to bring in the good girl archetype within a kink setting. Oh, I don't like, well, it's okay. So I haven't already told them, but I'm telling you, I don't like to be called good girl. Don't say that shit to me because we finna fight. Anyway, carry on with your story. No, that's perfect. So then, <laughs> so then what we know, and D, I'm right there with you. But yeah. within a relationship dynamic where dude has always been conditioned to be attracted to and and connect with the good girl archetype and the woman's been conditioned to behave and and embody that archetype there could be a real healing opportunity to put it within a kink context and kink the fuck out of that archetype out and i, I so, love that shit. you know okay. it's really fucking fun i love Absolutely. it's so fucking fun it is so <laughs> And Courtney is very much right because there are things I can buy. And she was like, I wasn't certain on that when it was on the hanger, but seeing it on you, I see the vision. You know what I'm saying? I do love the demure appearance. Like that plays into who I am because I also know you don't expect the other side of me. And I love bringing that out you know like going on a date I had this beautiful dress on I was fully covered it was it fitted my body but it was just really cute got home boom let me take it off the what I had on underneath let's get this part started <laughs> listen I feel like correct me if I'm wrong gal now that's some psychological kink up in there because you're doing things very intentionally mm -hmm. you are doing things with intense you want to draw out these things in him. And so I love, ooh, I love me some good psychological kink because I've been thinking about you. 
<laughs> because and now I can jump in here. I took years to unpack the damaging learning. I took years to unpack that. Yeah. I was always a plus size girl. All of these things, like all of these entities play a starring role in the movie. Then I took years to unpack that. And about 10 years ago, I was home and I'm from rural South Georgia. I was home. It was a house party. Everybody know each other. I'm from a community that is not quite 5,000 people in this in the town. So everybody know each other. I went to a party and one of the guys, of course, I went to high school with, oh, Teresa, you're not married. You're a good girl. Why aren't you married? And that just jumped out to me because I distinctly remember him saying that when we were standing around the bonfire. You're a good girl. Why aren't you married? Right? Your definition of a good girl and my definition of a good girl, I bet, are totally fucking different. Hey. <clears throat> that is the the clash that you will find and I think over the years I've just really embodied it first of all I, I love the demure feminine appearance that's just my thing um dresses are my thing just with my body type I look better in dresses I like heels because unbeknownst to everyone Courtney didn't know my real height until COVID because she never saw me outside of heels mm -hmm. <laughs> And we actually met looking at her door. like something's wrong. Like my grandma. Like my grandmother would have never been caught dead in, in a flats. pair of shoes. Look, that was the fun. And not even a pair of like a pair of flats, pair of tennis shoes. She would never be caught without a girdle. She would never. Ooh, man, we are shoes. not going outside in our bonnet, beloved. Look, no, no. Tennis shoes <laughs> and we hugged. And I was what like, what's day? wrong? If Something's she different. If she was not going outside in our bonnet, our bonnet, we could, uh, we are not going outside in our bonnet, beloved. We are not doing that. <laughs> write a chapter in your next book entitled if that. She can, I can't because I've done the moo moo. Off on that bonnet shit on a regular basis. I go off <laughs> on it. It's such an for me. to it. Okay, so I want, I, because again, I said I was going to be on my best behavior, so I got to ask for a resource. Gal is a somatic sex coach, and I want her to tell us more about that and how it can be beneficial to couples um, and to also single folks, because, you know, uh, everybody doesn't have to be coupled or thruppled or foursomed or whatever, polyamorous, whatever, whatever. How is beneficial to human beings? Goddamn. How? <laughs> and plug yourself gal plug what you're doing please and, and god knows i'm 100 the biggest fan so um wow so yeah i didn't even intro myself here it turns out <laughs> so before i drop titles and all the things what i want to say is like that this path really chose me yeah so when i think back about you know, what has interested me in terms of like my academic study, my background is in cultural anthropology. It, it makes sense to me that I would, I would end up studying um, and devoting my life to the most taboo subject on the planet. The anthropologist in me from an academic perspective, it feeds that, it's important to that 
trajectory. Um, sociology. So we are in the school together. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm a social scientist. So studying human beings and studying cultural norms and studying human behavior. Um, I've been doing it for a number of years. Um, after a really unexpected and totally devastating betrayal in my relationship that came to an end four years ago, I set an intention to turn that trauma into my dharma and scooped that up and resourced me literally like thousands and thousands of dollars and scholarships just landed on my lap. And I realized that, um, you know, it was like that, that betrayal um, and the nature of that betrayal was actually the most profoundly prophetic thing that could have happened in my life. And it's actually because of all the challenges that I faced in that relationship that makes me an excellent coach for couples who, once again, it's like, oh, if we just bring in resources, if we bring in intention, if we bring in curiosity, if we bring in consent, if we revisit negotiations, we can make a masterpiece of this. Or if we decide to end it, then we can end it in a conscious way and really fucking take really good care of ourselves and evolve. Our relationship can evolve. Even if we have children, then we can co-parent consciously. We can still love each other consciously if we're not lovers. Like there's, I, I really, um, so there's, there's that kind of whole area that I um, support couples through. And because I have chosen to be single for the last four years to really kind of, Teresa, you've used the word fire a few times in this conversation, to really walk across the, um, yeah, the, the embers barefoot to throw myself in the fire. Um, I have cultivated the most rich and sacred relationship with my own body and my own uh -huh. And it's like, I want every single to have this. Feel that, right? I want you to feel it. This is the greatest feeling when you have a relationship with yourself. But go ahead, I interrupt because that's my thing. That's my jam. Go ahead, I love it. Have the most discerning and delicious relationship if it comes from, oh, I know me. I know me and I have a sacred relationship with me and my sexuality. And I'm discerning and consciously deciding to let you into that. And when it's no longer a yes for me, I'll cut you loose, you know, or whatever it is. It's just that. So I think it's essential for singles, for couples, primarily, most importantly, for mamas, going right back to the maiden whore complex, like to, to for a mother to be resourced from prenatal, like what sex is in her prenatal stage, what sex is postpartum, much, much later than postpartum, for her to be resourced every step of the way and reclaim sacred sexuality and motherhood is where my, um, that's where my deepest commitment is with all the demographics that I serve. Yeah, yeah, and that right there would, gal just said is why i am so deeply in love with her 
all the time, even when we don't see each other. <laughs> and it's the beautiful way you also say resource. Oh. Um, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing need to be changed. It's just we need more tools in our tool belt. We need more resources to pull upon because life be lifing and life events change us. And where can we find you? And what I really want to note here is we're changing the narrative for the collective by having each other, having our own backs and having each other's backs. Like there's mm. nothing more beautiful than to hear, you know, Courtney cheering you on in the dressing room, not knowing your height until the pandemic and like yes. having your back without judgment. Like, yes, girl, I know what's under that skirt. Like, go get it. <laughs> And you're celebrating Courtney and her, you know, erotic writings and, and romance novels. And Dee is just this vessel, this container of just feed me. Let's celebrate it. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. And and um, the way, Dee, that you bring it together, that you gather folk, I think is how you said it earlier. Yeah, we be gathering. <laughs> and execute. It is such a bad ass amazing energy and i just it's an invitation thank you absolutely for inviting me and um yeah i want to do that as much as you you said you, you felt like you scratched the surface i agree we can talk oh for real about psychology feminine psychology we can talk about i want to go more into the shape shift erotic inside. blueprints we oh we need to get into erotic blueprints and i want to apologize for being a bad erotic blueprints person and not like forcing y'all to do this quiz <laughs> like i know i've said it to you a million times probably because i've been talking about my species and whatnot and yeah. how we want to include the erotic blueprints and how we want to speak to folks in their blueprints and so i apologize for that and you have it on on tape so y'all know i'd be apologizing when i'm wrong sometimes anyway thank you for joining us on the pleasure temple we are looking forward to you coming back as often as you want to <laughs> so <clears throat> let us know thank you so much for having me here thank you gal gal awesome. you're awesome